I'm Chris Halgen, the FDA account leader for GuideHouse. Welcome to the CDO Magazine interview series. Today, we'll be talking to Dr. Peter Marks, the director of FDA's Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, CBER. In his role, Dr. Marks leads an incredible team of researchers, regulatory professionals, uh, and others that are facilitating the development and availability of safe and effective medical products. We're going to hear Dr. Marks's insights on how data analytics, generative AI, and other tools are used by CBER and industry throughout the drug development, review, approval, and post-market surveillance processes. Welcome, Dr. Marks, and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me today. Dr. Marks, the, the breadth of CBER's responsibilities is huge. I know vaccines have been a major storyline for your center uh, as, as we continue to navigate through COVID, but cell and gene therapy is also a big focus for you. In fact, as we record this podcast, a new treatment was just approved to treat sickle cell disease. Congratulations. Uh, I know that's a big day. Nice uh, this is very much a growing industry, which comes with unique challenges. Uh, a big part of the excitement around CGT relates to individualized medicine and targeted therapies, oftentimes addressing rare diseases. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the challenges and opportunities related to data sets for treatments affecting small population sizes? Yeah, so small populations really do present us with some unique challenges. Um, in, in general, we're dealing with population sizes where uh, the concept of doing traditional randomized trials um, are, are just not really acceptable for a variety of reasons, often because either there are not large enough patient uh, numbers or uh, because um, the small number of patients that exist will not really accept traditional randomization. So one has to think about novel trial designs, and then one uses novel trial designs and then has to extract, you have to extract as much information <laughs> as you can. Um, uh, and so that uh, means uh, using uh, all of the statistical uh, designs that we can. Sometimes early on, it means applying Bayesian designs to dose finding. Um, uh, and then uh, in terms of looking at the data that comes out of the trials, um, uh, sometimes uh, using designs in which the, the individual who's enrolled is their own control through a run-in period, uh, or uh, sometimes using uh, delayed starts uh, of treatment um, uh, for different individuals. So a, a variety of ways of trying to address this um, but it means that the data from each individual has to be leveraged as much as possible um, uh, in order to uh, try to come to a place of understanding whether the product actually has uh, effectiveness. Yeah, and, and yeah, I know there's been a lot of guidance around decentralized trials and kind of just bringing all of that data together in terms of uh, how, you, how it presents to the FDA for the eventual approval of products. For this concept of decentralized trials, I think in, in some cases, it, it, to the extent that uh, it can assist in these rare disease populations by getting additional individuals uh, enrolled, um, I, I think that's going to be very, very helpful. There's a balance here between the special assessments, which can sometimes be necessary in rare diseases um, uh, for uh, determining whether a, a product is effective, and uh, the ability to do things more uh, in, in the community um, where uh, you can potentially attract more individuals. And in some cases, this can be balanced by having initial visits uh, at an academic center and then follow-up visits uh, in local communities. So 
this, this concept of decentralized trials uh, could be uh, something quite helpful uh, in rare disease uh, uh, investigation. Great. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about real real world data and, and real world evidence and how that's uh, affecting the regulatory processes inputs on uh, on on new technologies. How have those those two elements, real world data, real world world evidence, changed how we use data to better understand how cell and gene therapies are improving and saving lives? Yeah, so real world evidence is something we've gotten increasingly familiar with. Um, a fair amount of experience in the world of oncology with it. And also uh, during the pandemic, we got a fair amount of uh, experience with it uh, with our vaccines. Uh, and we've used it not just with um, the COVID-19 vaccines, but with other vaccines, including influenza, uh, uh, to look at uh, effectiveness. Um, now for gene therapies and cell therapies, in the upfront piece, uh, prior to approval, um, we haven't seen a major role at this point in time uh, for real-world evidence. But where we very much see real-world evidence being helpful um, is once a product is approved, um, trying to continue to gather data uh, on the product uh, in, uh, in its use. Because in many cases, this is gonna be critical. Uh, a gene therapy uh, may be approved with one year of follow-up data, but ultimately um, we are interested, both the patients who receive it, the payers who pay for it, and FDA who regulates it, um, we're all interested in how long that durability is. Uh, and that may be easiest to obtain uh, in terms of cost and convenience for the patient uh, through uh, real-world data, real-world evidence, um, by uh, using uh, essentially standard of care data that's pulled into the mix. So I think we'll, we'll see that. And actually the regenerative medicine advanced therapy designation uh, when it was uh, created uh, actually anticipated the potential use of real world evidence uh, for cell and gene therapies because it's one of the ways that uh, post-approval uh, commitments can actually be fulfilled for accelerated approval. Oh, yeah, that, that's great. And I, I guess, you know, one of the exciting things that that I could see, and, and, and I love your input on this, is do you see that the real real world, real world evidence uh, could be used to expedite and streamline future development of kind of next generation products through sort of established platforms? You know, you have, as the evidence comes in for things like CRISPR and CAR-T, you can use that to almost speed up parts of the approval process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think real-world evidence uh, around, uh, it may not be just around a single product, but around a class of products may help us get a better sense of what we need to see as we move forward. So I think this ability to take data uh, that we have uh, on, uh, on a given class of products or an individual product uh, and leverage it um, uh, for future product development is certainly going to be there. I mean, I think we can see how it, it, it's worked for vaccines. Um, it, it certainly can potentially work in the gene therapy area, especially as we get more experience and can uh, leverage uh, data across products. It may, that, that those data, those real world data may help inform us as to how do, to do things better for future products um, uh, in, in terms of 
um, immune responses or, or other aspects of the therapies. Uh, really exciting to, uh, to to think about the, the inputs and outputs in, in between and FDA facilitating some of that with industry. Um, so with that, what opportunities do you see for industry to make better use of data to help inform FDA and or support the regulatory approval process? And that, that's for CGT and other biologic products. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think industry can uh, help itself by uh, essentially to the extent that they can gather baseline data on on, on conditions um, before they start uh, development programs, trials. That's very helpful. Um, it's sometimes hard because it's it's a challenge in uh, rare uh, diseases. Um, uh, but uh, the more data we have, uh, the better. The other aspect of this. Um, I think is for industry to engage in a robust dialogue with the agency uh, as they're planning to gather data, both early on and later on in the development programs, um, so that um, we're on the same page about the data that's actually being gathered. Um, uh, because sometimes uh, what might seem to be uh, uh, the most reasonable thing to gather uh, may not be uh, the perfect thing from our perspective at FDA. So I think uh, I, I think it's it, that dialogue is a good thing to have early on. Yeah, so, so, save everybody. You know, some of the back and forth and maybe resources wasted with the the wrong type of data. C correct, correct. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for your time today, Dr. Marks. It's certainly uh, an exciting time for FDA, the industry, and the public as we continue to push what's possible with. Uh, to speed innovations that make medical products more effective, safer, and more affordable. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, everyone, please visit cdomagazine.tech for additional interviews uh, and have a good day. Thanks very much.